that time the Leafs were playing some of their worst hockey of the season? Yeah, that was pretty recently. And then Ilya Samsonov came back just in time to save the entire season, just ahead of All-Star break. And it was capped off by a game where Ryan Reeves and Simone Benoit scored in the same day. Hockey's dumb. So dumb. But we love it. Of course, you're dumb. I love you. Let's go! Good. We all feel Stop! Good. Never gets rusty! Get in my kitchen! Producer Drew, can you fix all this? <laughs> and when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you can crumple crumple yeet! Saw that going differently. With you wherever you are, welcome to LFR. Puppy Ziggy, I know I haven't been throwing very well recently. I want to make it up to you. I'm going to close my eyes and you're going to catch it, all right? He got it! <laughs> that sure was a sound that I made with my body. Leafs win! Four to two over the Winnipeg Jets. What a way to head into the All-Star break. What a way to head into the All-Star break. Speaking of which, the All-Star break, the All-Star game. All-Star Weekend, and you can join SDPN for the whole thing. So before we talk about the game, I want to talk about how you can get involved with what we're doing and how you can be entertained because we have more of a clear idea of what's going on. Because the Leafs are about to have some time off. There's not going to be an LFR for a little while. The Leafs' next game is February 5th because the Leafs have a bye week heading into the All-Star break. Of course, we're still going to be doing stuff. We're still going to be doing the Steve Dangle podcast on SDPN and more, but no LFRs on account of there's no Leaf game to react to. So, I gotta tell you now. Well, I got your attention. So, if you're attending the events, the All-Star festivities on Thursday, February 1st, PWHL is gonna be playing. There's gonna be the All-Star Draft. I have credentials and I will be there. Adam and Jesse should be putting around as well. We'll have more details on Monday's podcast. Friday, February 2nd, a live show at the Rec Room, which is right next to Steam Whistle Brewery, up the street from Scotiabank Arena, and if you're in the area for a hotel, there's lots of hotels near there. It's probably near yours. You will be entertained by three different shows. Agent Provocateur, the Chris Johnston Show, or the CJ Show, whatever you want to call it, and a live Steve Dangle podcast. Doors open at 2, the shows begin at 3, the Steve Dangle podcast specifically starts at 5. After the podcast, meet and greet, we're going to be hanging around, we're going to watch the whole skills competition from the rec room. If you want to hang around, talk hockey, grab some merch, grab some food, grab some drinks and be merry, whatever you want to do, do that with the rest of your night with us at the rec room. Saturday, right back at it with the SDPN All-Star Panel. Who's going to be on the All-Star Panel? Well, we'll definitely have an answer for you this week. By the way, we're going to be doing the Steve Dangle podcast on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. For the recordings, you're still going to get the same amount of podcasts. Monday 1, Tuesday 2, Wednesday 3, and then Thursday, we'll be putting around the All-Star festivities. Friday, live show at the rec room, and then Saturday, live show at the rec room! Once again, doors will be opening at 11 on the Saturday. The show will begin at noon and go till 2. After that, Adam, Jesse, and I will all be going to the All-Star Game or Games itself. So, hopefully see you there. And if we don't see you there, Isabelle's. That's where the after party is going to be at Isabelle's after the All-Star Game. And we'll just have a fun night. Tickets to Friday and both events Saturday if you're interested down below in the description. If you're dragging your feet and not sure if you should attend, the last time the All-Star Game was in Toronto was 24 years ago! The Winnipeg Jets didn't even exist! That's true. It's sad, but it's true. Speaking of the Winnipeg Jets, the Leafs beat the Winnipeg Jets! Dude, isn't it so perfect? Heading 
into this home and home with the Jets. With the Leafs really not playing their best hockey. They get the win over Seattle, but they're really not playing their best hockey. Not a very good Western road trip. It ended well, didn't go very well in general. And you're like, all right, home and home against the Jets, that sucks. First half of the back-to-back, -back, the Jets are already injured, they lose Josh Morrissey, you have home ice advantage, you have obviously the ref's whistle advantage, they got the first five power plays, you have to win this game. It was by the skin of their teeth, one nothing in overtime, but they won that game. Both teams get a few days off, the Jets get a few days to stew about it, and home ice advantage, and Josh Morrissey is back, and I thought, this game is gonna go different. Less than five minutes in, Dylan Sandberg gets his first of the season, it was off a turnover, it wasn't the greatest goal to be honest, and I thought, that's about right. He skates by the bench, he throws the monkey off his back, and I thought, this is going to be a nightmare of a game. But as the first period progressed, I'm like, okay, this is, this is fine. Some moments where it didn't go so good, some moments where they got kind of close. But all in all, not a ton of moments. It was a low event first period. The shots were eight to seven for the Leafs. Well, low event for a moment, but then the final minute was utter pandemonium. As I'm sure you know by now, Kelly Yarncroke, not in the Leafs lineup. Another reason why I thought this game was going to be a disaster. He is out quote unquote week to week, which is what NHL teams say when they have no idea when the player is coming back. He's out week to week with a broken knuckle, but it's okay. Guess who's back? Tyler Bertuzzi. But also, guess who's back? Ryan Reeves. Wait a sec, Steve. They got Tyler Bertuzzi back. Why is Ryan Reeves in the lineup? Oh, Bobby McMahon is hurt too. I forgot to mention that part. He's hurt too. The top two lines was about what you would expect. The third line was Nick Robertson, Max Domi, and Pontus Holdenberg, which is a list of men, but it's not a line that has ever played together to my knowledge. And the fourth line is Noah Gregor, David Camp, Ryan Reeves, the worst incarnation of the fourth line that we have seen this season. And I know that because I saw it and you saw it, we all saw it. And guess what? The fourth line was playing pretty well throughout the course of the first period. They were putting on pressure, banging, crashing. They were generally in the offensive zone, which is good enough. The fourth line doesn't even need to score. Like just have the puck away from the net generally and we're happy. Finish your checks, be a bit of a jerk. That's all you need to do. Well, they're in the offensive zone in the final minute. That's good. Part of me is like, why is the fourth line out there in the final minute? But whatever. Turn over to Noah Gregor. Ryan Reeves is posted up in front. Noah Gregor fires the puck on net and darn it, if Ryan Reeves doesn't tip that thing perfectly. Like that wasn't just the puck going off his bum. That was a genuinely great goal, a great tip in. Like the hallmark of a great tip in is not just changing the direction of the puck. It's giving the goalie absolutely no chance of getting the thing. If a shot is going at the left part of the logo and you tip it a little and it hits the right part of the logo, you didn't tip it that well. Ryan Reeves catches the edge of the net like pretty much posting in and it beats Connor Hellebuck. That's exactly how you have to beat Connor Hellebuck by the way. That is exactly how you have to beat Connor Hellebuck because the Leafs only beat Connor Hellebuck twice with goals that counted and they were both deflections. We'll get to the second one in a minute before the period is done controversy. I am well aware of what jersey I am wearing. I don't care. The Leafs got screwed. Tyler Bertuzzi, new dad, dad strength. He cannot buy a goal this season, but maybe the dad strength's gonna come through. And it does! As he works hard, puts one in, and it's a goal celebration, and it doesn't count. And the refs in 
emphatically say it does not count because of goaltender interference. And there's William Nylander and like he was in the blue paints because he was pushed there. And so Sheldon Keefe and the Leafs video staff who have a sterling record choose to challenge it. Now here's the problem. Those dudes can pick up an offside from space. They can pick up a hand pass from the surface of Mars. Goaltender interference? Who knows? There was a goal three, three days ago in a game between the Oilers and the Blue Jackets where a Blue Jackets player, I think it was Eric Branson, shoves an Oiler straight into the Blue Jackets goalie, knocking him over. Now that one counted. They said that was a good goal. And do you know why? Because you're not allowed to shove a guy into your goalie. Listen, I don't hate Dylan DeMello. I like Dylan DeMello. Dylan DeMello was on the Mississauga Steelheads when I was the in arena host. I've talked about that on the podcast before. This is a good goal. Dylan DeMello shoves William Nylander into Connor Hellebuck and then Tyler Bertuzzi scores. Here's the long and short of it. We all know the rules and how they're written and everything. The puck goes in, Connor Hellebuck does not complain. There it is. There it is. Goalies will find any excuse. It's not just about Connor Hellebuck. It's goalies in general. They will find any excuse to throw their hands up and say something doesn't count. That's how you know it was a good goal. He didn't immediately get up and pull a Tuka Rask and start beating the crap out of his own goalpost. He knew it was a goal. And then they review it and guess what? No goal. Well, that's odd, said the vast majority of Twitter. But you can't just go by Twitter. Let's go to the national broadcast that features former NHL players, including a skater in Craig Simpson. What does he think? Oh. He's surprised at the call too. And then they go to intermission and it's Kelly Rudy. Oh, okay. Kelly Rudy used to play in the NHL, played in the NHL like in the 90s, like really rough and tumble, never played for the Leafs. Surely he's going to say it's goaltender interference. Oh, he's confused by it too. I don't know. The national broadcaster doesn't know, but oh, 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 good. Good, so generous of the NHL to send out a little explainer. Here's the explanation from the NHL. Video review supported the referee's call on the ice that Toronto's William Nylander impaired Connor Hellebuck's ability to play his position in the crease. The decision was made in accordance with rule 69.1, which states in part that goals should be disallowed only if one, an attacking player, either by his positioning or by contact, impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within his crease or defend his goal. That is what the NHL released. That is what the league, the best and biggest hockey league in the world, the National Hockey League, released to its audience to explain what happened. And that, this is me speaking editorially, is because they genuinely do not care and think you are stupid. Because after second intermission, because Elliot Friedman was busy with headlines at second intermission, Frege tweets out the entire rule and then highlights the part that seems to explain why this ought to be a goal. Highlighted, if an attacking player has been pushed, shoved, or fouled by a defending player so as to cause him to come into contact with the goalkeeper, such contact 
will not be deemed contact initiated by the attacking player for purposes of this rule, provided the attacking player has made a reasonable effort to avoid such contact. Well, there it is. It's a goal. That's the long and short of it. Do you want anything else? It's a goal. I saw some people say, well, no, William Nylander initiated contact. No, no. With a smile on my face, no. I watched it. I saw it. No, it's a goal. So wait, to recap what happened here, the call on the ice is no goal. I can forgive that. That's fine. Then they review it with coach's challenge and uh, they still say it's no goal. I can forgive that less, but I tell you what, as a reasonable sports fan, as, as a sports fan who is willing to learn more about the sport, I would like the NHL to explain why the goal does not count. And they explained it by simply sending out a chunk of the rule book, no specific context as it pertains to the actual play, and leave out a very important part of the rule book that would have negated the first part. But it's okay because the NHL is a good and reputable sports league. After the game, they make the referees available to the media to answer questions. <laughs> they don't do that. No, that's the end of it. It's over. They release that and it's over. Just guess, just guess, that's all. Now. In the spirit of fairness, because the NHL is either too inept or cowardly to answer about anything, here is former NHL goalie Mike McKenna explaining why he thinks this is goaltender interference. He says, why is this goalie interference? Nylander goes into the blue paint on his own and does not leave before DeMello shoves him. If Nylander was outside the crease when DeMello pushed him, goal wouldn't count. Goalie has the right to the blue paint. Nylander violated that. There it is. Okay, fine. You know what? I'll be honest. I disagree with that explanation. I saw the play. Yeah, Nylander is like a smidge, a smidge in the blue paint with one foot. And if that is the just do whatever you want button for NHL defenders, we're in a lot of trouble, number one. And number two, then just call every goal back then. Some of you are too young to remember this, but the 19, I think it was 98, 99 season, no goal counted. A lot of the, all the millennials and Gen Xers are nodding their heads right now. No goals counted. It ruined the entire video game because they had to incorporate the weird janky reviews into the game and none of your goals counted. If there was a toe, a toe, a baby toe in the blue crease, in the blue paint, you're still, you're a foot away from the goalie. The goalie's in the corner having a dart, but you're in the blue paint. It's no goal. It doesn't count. If we started calling back every goal where a player has a pinky toe in the blue paint, we'd go right back to there being 0.5 goals a game again like it's the dead puck era. Also, what if William Nylander went through the blue paint in the hopes of no longer being in the blue paint, but Dylan DeMello impeded his path and shoved him into the goalie, who, by the way, 
didn't care that Nylander touched him. Listen, here's the last thing I'll say about it, like just so that it's not just a whining Leaf fan. I mean, they did win the game. The NHL signed this enormous deal with ESPN and it's great because ESPN is super relevant and the NHL is not. Let's be honest, it's not. I love it and it's relevant in this country. In the United States, it's not a thing. Stephen A. Smith repeatedly says that the only thing he knows about hockey is that the puck is black. I watched a TikTok of him having an in-depth debate about the movie Cars! He knew every character's name! I couldn't believe it! But Pat McAfee has this little segment called Hockey is Awesome and he waves around a little mini stick and he talks about hockey and sometimes he has a guest on. The reason such a segment exists with the name Hockey is Awesome is because most people don't know Hockey is awesome. They don't. Hockey is awesome. He's right. I'm not denying that. But most people don't know that. There's an entire commercial campaign that you see every hockey night in Canada about Americans not knowing anything about hockey. The whole goal of Hockey is Awesome is to highlight hockey and educate the audience on why hockey is awesome. How about the NHL show the same respect for their audience by explaining why a goal does or doesn't count like we're actual voting adults. Instead of just, it's not a goal, here's part of the rule, and firing off an email. Can you tell I love the sport and hate the league? It's brutal. Anyway, the Leafs have to kill off a penalty over that, which there's another rant in the making. Listen, the NHL instituted a challenge for goals, for, for goalie interference, right? And coaches abused it. There were way too many reviews. So they changed the rule. Now, if you want to challenge it, that's fine. But if you're wrong, you get a penalty. And I understand that that is a very black and white way of calling it. You either get it right, and you're not penalized or you get it wrong and you are penalized. But this isn't in the spirit of the rule at all. That was a like genuine, no one knows what the right call is play. So it's worthy of a challenge for both sides. The refs who made the call on the ice didn't know. Did you notice how long the review took? Former NHLers in the booth didn't know. Former NHLers on the panel didn't know. Most of them online didn't seem to know why. But nope, it's a penalty. And everyone should thank their lucky stars the Jets didn't score on that power play. Leafs fight another day, we go to the second period. The game continues, everything's fine, it's a little more high event, the Leafs outshoot the Jets 14 to 12. But then we go to the third, and I'll be honest, I'm starting to get annoyed by this point. Because the Leafs took the only penalty of the first period, that was the delay of game for the missed challenge, or whatever you want to call it. Second period, Nick Robertson off for hooking, Leafs kill it. As soon as they kill it, Timothy Lilligren takes a penalty for high sticking, Leafs kill it. Third period, Leafs finally get their first power play. It's a complete reverse of the game from Wednesday against the Jets. And who was the penalty on? Dylan DeMello, the guy who shoved William Nylander into Connor Hellebuck. Lol. Morgan Riley puts it on. John Tavares with the tip! And Johnny Toronto finally breaks his streak, his slump. Get that monkey off your back. And now the Leafs take the 2-1 lead that they should have had at the end of the first. And this was actually a penalty filled third and this is the part the Jets fans are not going to like. There's a little bit of 4 on 4 a few minutes after because Niederreiter and Brody go at it. 
hold that thought. Matthew Nye's hooking on Gabe Velarde. I didn't like that. And like the Leafs are missing Yarn Croak and he's such a big part of their power play. Giordano's back in the lineup and he's back on the penalty kill and that might, that's part of the problem. I'm just, I'm, I'm glad he's back but it didn't make me feel any better is all I'm saying. And then five and a half minutes to go in the third period, Niederreiter takes a penalty for cross-checking TJ Brody in the back. And Jets fans are gonna say he went down easy and uh, you're not even necessarily wrong, but, but, Mark Giordano took a penalty against the Vancouver Canucks last weekend that was basically the exact same. And they called it. At very least they're consistent, leads to the power play. And then the one that really pissed them off, the slash on John Tavares. Specifically Dylan Sandberg. And this is while the Jets are on the power play. Sandberg comes right down on Tavares' stick. He slashes it. Tavares is looking for the call. His stick is broken. It's broken. But the refs don't call the penalty because Tavares could just be lying. Because, well, it looks fine to me. Then he puts a little weight on it and it snaps. And then the arm goes up. I'm gonna be honest, this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing for the official. Because, think of it this way. Tavares tries to play the rest of that shift. He knows he's using a broken stick. Weep, that's a penalty. Or how about this? Tavares got a tip in goal for the go-ahead goal. He posts up in front and the puck doesn't go where he wants it to because his stick his stick blade goes flying because the stick is broken. Or how about, Leafs keep working the puck around, working the puck around, they're about to release the thing and his stick just falls apart. Jets go the other way, it's a tie game, who knows? But also, it's a Pandora's box. Tavares puts a little bit of weight down on the stick and it snaps. I don't think he reefed on the thing, he put a little bit of weight down on it and it snapped. Which means it was already broken, just not fully broken. However. There are some strong guys in this league. And if the precedent is, I saw the slash, but your stick is fine, and then you put a little bit of weight down on it, who, what's to stop a guy like Matthew Kachuk or Brad Marchand from just going, that is an iffy call. And it gives the Leafs a five on three late in the third. Leafs have the lead. Like if you're a Jets fan, you gotta be tearing your hair up. And guess what? On that five on three, Austin Matthews with his 40th goal in his 46th game, you mutant, becomes the fastest Leaf to ever reach 600 points, you mutant. Leafs take the 3-1 lead and then Simone Benoit with the empty netter for his first as a Leaf. Reeves and Benoit scored in the same game, it doesn't make sense. Now, with something like 11 seconds left, Mason Appleton scores, brings the Jets within two, it doesn't mean anything, and a brouhaha breaks out. Jake McCabe going at it and obviously Ryan Reeves in there. And Jets fans not loving Ryan Reeves in that instance. Because out of the pile, Reeves grabs Josh Morrissey and just a couple minutes prior, I couldn't believe Keefe had that line out on the ice at this point in the game, but they were out there, they weren't a drag, and Reeves is going at it with Nick Ehlers. Now, I don't know what Nick Ehlers' problem is with Leafs who are 37 years of age and over, because remember he had that blood feud during the uh, Canada bubble season with Joe Thornton of all people for some reason? Now he's going at it with Ryan Reeves. Now, Jets fans do not like that Reeves was going after Ehlers, who's not a tough guy, he's a good player, he's not a tough guy, and Josh Morrissey, who again, good player, not a tough guy. To those Jets fans, I would say, I'd be mad if I was you too, but number two, Reeves didn't do anything. He grabbed them. That was it. You're lucky it wasn't the Panthers. <laughs> there are plenty of players 
in this league who would have taken the opportunity that Reeves did in this game and beaten those guys to a pulp and thrown untold numbers of bare knuckle punches. Reeves just got in their face. He just grabbed them, maybe a stinky glove. Nothing serious. I wouldn't like it either, but it was nothing serious. Could have been a lot worse. And now the Leafs head into their bye week, into their all-star break with back-to-back -back wins over the Jets. That doesn't make any sense, that's dumb. Now, before we get to questions, this is obviously gonna be a long video. Sorry, producer Drew. But Nick Barden, I put the call out on Twitter. If you had any Marley's questions for Nick Barden in Marley Minutes, get them in there because he's gonna be answering them in this video. And I won't waste any more time. Here's Nick getting right into it. From the painfully optimistic Lee fan, what is your opinion on Torberg and Niemela's future in the organization? Do you feel they will be NHLers in one to two years? And plus, your opinion on Hervonen and should we be, as fans, excited for his eventual return? With Torberg, you're getting a hard-working, speedy forward who's also relentless in retrieving the puck. He's a right shot, can play both center and on the way, and he's also averaging over a point per game with the Marlies. If there was a time that I could predict that he would be up with the Maple Leafs, it could be next season if he does continue this consistent play. Niemela, though, I believe might need a little bit more time. For a defenseman of his caliber, he needs to put on weight. He needs to be stronger. And if he can come into next season a lot stronger, then I believe you might see him possibly get a call up with the Maple Leafs in the back half of next year. And for Hervonen, I'm really excited to see what he can do at the AHL level. And I do believe other fans should be excited for his return, but I don't think you can put any expectations on his play this season and where he might be just yet. From Rob Quadrini, I don't watch any Marley's games, so I keep hearing how the Leafs prospect cupboard is very thin when it comes to making trades or call-ups. I'm wondering if this is true or if the prospects may be underrated by Leafs fans and media. I wouldn't say it's thin, but I wouldn't say it's full either. You have guys like Niemela Torberg, who's a really good story. Plus, you can't forget about Alex Steves, Miko Kokonen, Kiefer Bellows, if the Maple Leafs were ever to go down the road at signing him to an NHL deal. These guys are more around depth pieces and just something to be excited about in the future. From Adam Wilde, how's our boy Dennis doing? He continues to wind his way through his rookie season in the AHL. He had a shutout in his first game back after being up with the Maple Leafs, but since then he's played in three games and in two of those three games he allowed a combined nine goals on 29 shots. Not the greatest, but these games will teach him a ton about developing into a stronger goaltender for the future. Some very interesting insight there from Nick and especially because now we know Yarn Croak is hurt, and I believe he filmed that before we knew that. It was encouraging that Reeves was so good in his first game back, but at some point, I imagine the Leafs are going to call someone up. This isn't a question, I just wanted to show off this guy showing off his gut when the Leafs scored. Look at this. Look at that. Good for you. Hi Steve, do you think the officiating is actually getting worse or we're just emotionally compromised after so many years of cheering for this team? So, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think officiating is getting worse. I just think technology is getting better. Like part of my frustration with all this, you're gonna miss calls, refs are human, people are human. But we have the technology that this doesn't need to happen anymore. And if you are going to make a decision that is controversial or difficult to understand, explain yourself adequately, please. That's it. I don't think a fan's demands are unreasonable here. Thoughts on the baby blue Jets jerseys? You know what? I like them. I think they're good. I just, I, you know what I don't like is whenever a team does like a retro sort of look, they're like, and brown gloves. Have to have brown gloves and perhaps brown pants. You don't. 
You don't have to have those things. You can just, you don't. Steve, how bad did you want Bertuzzi to get that new daddy goal? Ah, well, congrats to Bert on the new baby boy. I, that, that makes it so much worse. It's not just that the goal shouldn't have got called back. He's a dad! It would have been a new dad strength goal, boo! Last but not least, not a question, but seeing Ehlers mouthing no and shaking his head with Reeves will live in my head forever. Here, I'll compliment Nick Ehlers twice. One, he's a good player. Two, he's not stupid. Now to end this video and help me out with the outro, here's a photo of Ryan Reeves and John Tavares with the belt. God, I love them. That is it for this one. Thank you very much for watching. Click like if you like this video. Click subscribe if you really liked it. Tell all your friends. Links in the description down below. Live show, Friday, February 2nd. Live show, Saturday, February 3rd. And after party at Isabel's later that night on Saturday. All-Star Weekend is upon us! Join us in the festivities.